Today on the podcast, we're diving into the deep connection between our stuff and our weight. The more clutter and crap we hoard can be directly correlated to the quality of health we enjoy. We're digging in with today's guest, health coach and minimalist Heather Artema. Heather's quest to find balance between fewer things and achieving optimal health has taken her on a journey to help others find their own healthy balance. I find the topic of minimalism absolutely fascinating, mainly because I always feel like I'm on a quest to remove clutter from my home. I mean, just this past weekend alone, I spent an entire Sunday cleaning out my closet, and there I unearthed a carload of items that had no business hanging in my closet anymore. And funny enough, I am also currently hyper-focused on my health goals. Is this a coincidence? I think not. So if you are surrounded by a bunch of stuff that is suffocating you, or you desire a healthier life, then this conversation with Heather is for you. A little side note about our interview, Heather was not feeling her best during this recording. She was suffering from some breathing issues following extended exposure to toxic mold in her home. So when I tell you she's walking her talk, she is. She's using everything she's got in her tool belt to restore her health and well-being. And that includes the stuff she's removed from her home. Our stories truly do help us become the best teachers, and I loved learning from Heather during our conversation. So let's get into this inside story on minimalism and losing weight. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Lightbeamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. I am so fascinated by this topic that we're going to be diving into today, all about minimalism and how it relates to our health. And we have the perfect person to talk to today. Heather Artema is with us. Heather, I'm so excited that you are here. Ever since I first met you and I knew this was kind of the world that you played in, I have been looking forward to having you on the podcast. So I'm so excited. We finally, we finally get to do this. We finally found some time on our calendars to sit down and have this conversation. So welcome to the Inside Story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am just delighted, delighted to be here. Well, I know when we first met, you know, and you shared with me kind of your, your journey, like becoming a certified health coach, and then also this really, this passion around minimalism and how you, how you had begun to incorporate it in your own life and how then you were making all these correlations between the minimalism and the health coaching and like, 
working with your clients and some of the things that they are carrying around the clutter, right? Um, and so I think it was just so brilliant how those two come together. I do want to jump in with um, just initially, how did minimalism get on your radar? And I'd love to hear that story first. And then I, w- I would love for you to also kind of define really what minimalism is. Okay. Well, great question. I will tell you, I was born a maximalist and uh, my whole family laughs that I am now the aspiring minimalist because my two sisters, they are naturally more minimalist than I am. I, I was like Velcro to clutter. I love to shop. I love to fill my life with things and a busy schedule and a go, go, go mentality. And then after a while, it kind of just hit me. And I was definitely influenced by my husband as well, who is more of a minimalist than I am. But I realized I've got so many distractions going on in life. I don't really understand anymore what matters. And I feel foggy on what direction I should be heading in. And so it's, it's I, I do laugh a little because I am at my heart a maximalist. I From a young age, I would have something called FOMO, fear of missing out. If I wasn't involved, if I didn't get invited to something, or if I didn't have the biggest piece of cake and my sisters had bigger pieces, I I had that FOMO. And um, probably in my my late 30s, I realized that um, more was not always more and that I could actually um, have more meaning and more, more beauty in life if I could focus on and finding the, the, the more and less. The more in less. I love that. So when that started, that realization started to come about then, you know, going from being a maximalist, which I so appreciate the honesty. <laughs> um, how does one go from being a maximalist to then begin taking the steps to becoming a minimalist? Oh, that's yes. Right. How do you start? And so For me, I decided to look at like, okay, what really is the clutter in my life? And so clutter, it's, um, most of us think of it as tangible. It's the things, it's all the things we see. And uh, it's not just the things though. We We carry a lot of mental and emotional clutter as well. And the mental clutter, those are really thoughts that life should be different or thoughts that, that, um, well, other people should be different. And, uh, and when we have those thoughts, we, we experience such resistance or we experience such, such heaviness that that's another form of clutter. And so clutter to me is anything that gets between you and showing up the way you really want to, or you and the best version of your life, you and the life you want to live. That's clutter. And so for me, I was, um, I had spent 20 years in corporate America and I had a really great experience. I worked at a number of companies traveled the world. I, uh, I had the best cube in the row at the last company, the one with all the sunlight, a really great title, great salary. Uh, the work I was doing was meaningful to my clients, but at the end of the day, I wasn't very fulfilled. And I was starting to feel empty. And I was starting to, um, to wonder and question, is there anything else? And, and am I using my strengths? Truly, truly harnessing my strengths. And so once that idea or that seed of an idea that, that could there be something else, once that kind of, kind of latched into my essence, I, I got really curious and I, I started looking into intentionality 
And that idea of intentionality led me to simplicity. So as human beings, we get really, really um, distracted and we um, were drawn to the idea of complication. The more complicated, the better. And, um, and so this journey took me to the idea of minimalism. And I think minimalism is one of the most beautiful pathways to intentionality. And that's what I wanted. That's what I was craving. And so at first, when I heard the word minimalism, I'm like, oh, I'm not a minimalist. Like minimalists are people that don't have anything at all or that are all about restriction and deprivation. And that was the, the understanding I had. And then I realized that my understanding was just completely 180 degrees off that really minimalism is about removing all of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that matter most, getting rid of those distractions so that you can hone in on the most beautiful and powerful aspects of your life. Oh, I love it. And I think that that is most people's reaction to minimalism was that is that what we've seen on some of the documentaries that are out there and things like that that it is extreme. It's pretty extreme. So I love that you really approach it from a non-extremist way, that it is about just removing things that really aren't serving you. Like, you know, and honestly, I've got a closet full of clothes right now that are not serving me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it probably doesn't take much to look around, both to the physical, tangible things and the non-physical, intangible things of, of, what doesn't serve us, but to your point, it will take some intentionality, right? It will really take sitting down and being honest with yourself. Sometimes that could be relationships, I would imagine, like, you know, different circles that you might be floating around in that may not be the healthiest or the most supportive or the most positive. So sometimes it's removing people and relationships from your life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard work, that's hard. Like cleaning out my closet is probably the easiest part of getting to be minimalist, right? But the more intangible things, I think, probably are a little bit harder. Initially, initially. And uh, sometimes we cling to a certain identity, maybe our past identity that's no longer serving us. But once we buy into the person we want to become, then it's just so much easier to let go of those relationships that are no longer serving us. And so, I mean, we know what it's like to, to hang out with somebody that is, is draining, right? And, um, and so then we get to ask ourselves, well, lives are short. So who do we really want to surround ourselves by? And, um, and do we want to, to um, I mean, it's okay to have friends that are draining if, that, if that's what we choose. The thought that we shouldn't have friends that are draining could be deemed as clutter as well, right? It's, it's, it's the, the groups that we want to hang out with for sure are instrumental. My son told me the other day, he had just heard this, but it's, he must've heard it from a podcast or something. He's like, mom, do you know, if you hang out with people who smoke, you'll probably end up smoking. It's true. Like those relationships are so, so influential. And so it's uh, choose wisely is what I like to think. Well, I love that you brought that, that particular example up of smoking, because on the other side of things, you are also a certified health coach. Um, and so that's another big piece of really who you are in terms of the work that you do, right? Just like that's your work in the world. So let's backtrack again, because I, I love to get these little inside stories, right? So how, when you were leaving that corporate, or I guess what made you leave the corporate job to then become the health coach? Let's start, go back there and, and pick up on the story. Okay. So I, when I was 17, I was in high school and I had a coach tell me I needed to lose weight before the next season and, um, 16 or 17. 
and it really hurt. But he he actually was right. I had put on some pounds, and if I wanted to perform the way I wanted to perform, it was going to be a good idea for me to release those pounds. And so I did. I lost that weight, but it was not through deprivation. In fact, it was a there were a few summer months in between the seasons, and I just played. I had fun. I went, I swam, I played tennis, I did all the sports. And so I didn't think of it as losing weight, but the weight just fell off. I was also intermittent fasting without realizing that it was a thing. So I wouldn't eat first thing in the morning, go have some fun, do some sports, and then and then eat my first meal around noon and then and then dinner a couple hours later. The weight came off and I felt so much better. I felt like myself again. I'd always been a pretty slender person. So when the weight did go on, it went on pretty fast. I didn't understand why. And um, and so he was basically saying a truth that I felt deep down. And had I disagreed with him, then it wouldn't have hurt. But it, it did feel it did feel right to me. Some may think like, oh, that's horrible that that she was told that. But that's one interpretation and one story. And I could go that route. But that route would just be like clutter. Oh, he shouldn't have said that. Well, he said it. So he was always going to say it. So I'm not going to think that it's clutter. I'm just going to think like, yeah, that's that was the right thing to happen. And and frankly, it it woke me up a little. Anyway, after um, after I finished high school, I got into college and and I put on some more weight. And it just again, I would exercise a ton. I always loved to move my body, but I was I was drinking a lot. I was eating a lot. I mean, I was really eating a lot. Burritos as big as my head at like two in the morning. It didn't feel like my outsides matched my insides. And so it just never felt right to me. Uh, got in the corporate world, some of the weight came off, and um, I got a couple autoimmune conditions. And I remember uh, going to a rheumatologist and the rheumatologist saying, okay, which drug do you want to be on? You're going to be on it for the rest of your life. Oh, and by, by the way, the side effects are really, really, um, you know, one, this one has lymphoma as a side effect. This one has blindness as a side effect. And uh, so what one can I sign you up for? And I said, what about food? Could I do something different with food? And I was told, well, there's no research to back that up. And, and I understand like, okay, I don't. And I'm like, well, I don't need research. Like, what, what's your gut tell you? Like, what do you think as a doctor? And I was told, nope, nothing there. And I'm not going to go there. Now, not all doctors are alike. This was just the one doctor that I interfaced with. And so I kind of, that, that interaction, I don't know. I, I went home not feeling right and just thinking, now I'm really curious about food. What if, and that's a magical question, just the two, two words, what if? And so I decided, what if I adjust my diet? What if I do things differently? And of course I had the thought, I don't eat that bad. And, um, and I thought, what if I could eat better? So no judgment. What if I could eat smarter? What if I could eat more intentionally? And so I changed my diet. My husband did it too. We did it together. And we both felt amazing. At We gave ourselves a month. We're like, at the end of the month, let's see how we feel. At the end of the month, we felt incredible. And all of my autoimmune conditions, uh, the flares has subsided. And I thought, gosh, if I can feel this good, how good could it get? I'm going to keep going with this food, this new food approach. Now, the beautiful thing is that all my extra weight fell off as well without even trying. And I realized a lot of the foods that I was eating, those foods were just cluttering up my body and cluttering up my potential. And so I was still working corporate, but I thought I have had such 
such an amazing experience. I want to help others with whatever they're dealing with, whatever that clutter is. If that clutter is physical weight, my goodness, there are options. If that clutter is a body that's just not not showing up the way you want it to, there are options. There's so much potential. And so I remember I was, you know, it took some courage to leave corporate. I was the breadwinner at the time. And I I didn't, I just, I, I, I had some thoughts like, well, I don't know, will this work? What does, and I knew I wanted to become a coach, but what does that really look like? And, uh, and then I thought, I just, I got it. I just, I want to go for it. And there's this quote by Joseph Campbell and I hope I don't butcher it. The cave we fear to enter holds the treasure we seek. Mm, so good. So good. The cave we fear to enter holds the treasure we seek. And so I thought I'm going into that cave. I'm going to do it. I know the treasure's inside. I'm going to, I'm going to face my fear and I'm going to go into that cave. And so I left corporate and became a functional medicine certified health coach and then a national board certified health and wellness coach. Ah, I love that. I love that. And I love that those seeds of that story has been sprinkling in you ever since, you know, 16, 17, 15 years old, when you had that experience with a coach and, and, you, and you didn't take it negatively. You didn't internalize that as like, I'm fat, I'm unhealthy, you know, like any of those things that can happen. You luckily really perceived it as like, he's right. You know, like I, I actually do need to lose some weight and I will feel better. And you did feel better. Um, but I love how the, that, that really started even back then kind of laying the groundwork of you getting interested in the topic and then, and then leaning in a little bit more and then a little bit more. And, you know, I think, I, I know you and I, I think we've had an email exchange about this, but I don't think we've ever talked about it because I remember at some point you telling me that you had, is it, was it rheumatoid arthritis you were diagnosed with? Cause I remember you saying that at some point and I emailed you back and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to talk about that at some point, which we never have until now. Cause I'm like, that's right. She has rheumatoid arthritis. And I actually just released a whole podcast episode, a few episode. Well, by the time this one comes out, it's probably several episodes ago. So I'll have to link up the, um, my journey with RA is the one that I'm referencing for all you listeners out there. But, um, I actually just did a whole podcast episode on a story that I don't share very often, which is a story that I've had rheumatoid arthritis my entire life. I was actually diagnosed as a child and, um, a lot of times juvenile rheumatoid arthritis dissipates, but mine never really did. I, I'm <laughs> like you, I'm one of the lucky ones, right? So um, it's a, it's an interesting journey, but I'm telling you this because I can so relate because the best I have ever felt with my arthritis is once I changed my diet and I changed my diet about, I, I'm going to go back now and say it's probably been 10 nine, 10 years ago, probably about nine years ago. And I actually stopped eating meat. I don't know what your change in diet was for you, but for me, that was something that was pretty, um, pretty helpful, <laughs> pretty helpful in how I feel. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it doesn't even matter what the food is as long as we're intentional. Well, and it's different for everybody, right? Like, and I'm sure now in your practice as a functional medicine person, you get this and I know you've studied this and there's science behind it. I just was going off of like, how do I feel? <laughs> and every time I ate meat and this was really hard, you know, growing up in Texas, my gosh, we ate a lot of red meat. 
And it was really funny at the time because we actually, this is so many years ago. This is a whole nother story that a lot of people don't know, but my husband and I owned restaurants and one of the restaurants that we owned was a very fine dining like restaurant with steakhouse, like it was steaks, you know? And so he was coming home every night bringing dinner and I was just eating what he brought home. You know, it's like easy. I didn't have to cook. But it was, I, I really started getting a message from my body that I had, I really had to stop eating that stuff. Now, for some people, it might be gluten. It might be, you know, so many other things. But for me, that's what it was. And I really did feel so much better. And even to the point recently, I have kind of like over the last couple of years, I felt like I had gotten off track. And, you know, I moved back to Texas and it is very hard to eat, eat a certain way here. Um, and I started cheating myself by kind of weaving back in some chicken because I'm like, well, I can eat chicken. You know, I'll do that. But I started not feeling good again, you know? And so I'm like, nope. So I'm back. I'm back on the train. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. We're back to doing what I know works, what I know makes me feel better. So I really find that quite fascinating that that was part of your path as well, you know, in terms of like paying attention to like food. I mean, food is so powerful. Yes, it's so powerful. And and the words we use as well, right? And I love that you experimented with chicken. And then you're like, Nope, I, you know, you were honest with the data your body was giving you. And, and so often we'll, we'll experiment with something. And then, and then we won't like the data. And we'll pretend like, Oh, no, I can handle this. I can do this. And really our body's saying, please don't eat this. Please don't eat this. But so for example, there's, there's the idea of, well, I cheated. And as a weight loss coach today, a lot of my clients will say, oh, I cheated. I cheated. And it's like, well, that word can come with so much baggage, mental baggage, emotional baggage. So instead it's like, well, we experimented. That's what we're doing really is we experimented, got some more data. And that helps us sometimes see the blessing in a setback. So Sometimes we'll say, oh, I went off the wagon and, and now it's really hard to start. But if we learn something when we cheat, quote unquote, cheat or go off the wagon, then really it can be a blessing and it can be life-changing and transformative. And so for you, you experimented with some chicken and then you realized, nope. And frankly, you probably won't need to experiment again with that, right? It's, it creates more lightness because prior to that experiment experience, you might have had some like, well, I wonder if, I wonder if I could do the chicken. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And then now, you know. Well, thank you for that. I love that little, I cheated and then changed that over to, nope, I experimented. I experimented. I love, I love that reframe. Um, and so with your clients, and so this is one of the really fascinating things that I think is so unique and interesting about what you do is the way that you really view minimalism and working with your clients on their health journeys. So how do the two of those come together and marry so well? I'm going to give you a quick little uh, research study. I won't go really, okay. really deep in the, in the weeds, but there was a study. They took half the participants and had them fill out some papers in a very messy office. And then they took the other half of participants and had them fill out the same papers in a very clean office. Upon leaving, they were all offered an apple or a candy bar. If you filled out the papers in the clean office, you were twice as likely to choose the apple over the candy bar. Wow. So our surroundings have a tremendous influence on the decisions we make, whether those decisions are 
to eat more chips and find the ice cream or to stay up super late watching Netflix and not go to bed when our bodies are really craving more sleep. Our environments really, really set us up for success or failure. And so I will tell you, if I come home and walk into my house and there are dirty socks all over because my kids, for some reason, leave socks everywhere and they're never matching, <laughs> I'll look at that and I'll be like, oh, and I'll feel my cortisol rising. That's our stress hormone. And with that rising, I will want to buffer and I'll want to go find some chips. But yeah. if I walk in and the house is clean, I am like filled with peace and filled with, hmm, I like my house. I like my little cozy house. It's so cute. And maybe I'll put my, my running shoes on and go out for a jog or, or a walk. And mm -hmm. so the, the surroundings really play a pivotal role in the choices that we make. That is fascinating. And I can, I, you know, I, I can believe that. I actually buy into that totally. And obviously there's data, <laughs> there's data, there's data behind that. Yeah. But you know, so is that what you're doing then? Are you taking this concept around minimalism? Like someone comes to you and says, Heather, I want to lose 30 pounds in addition to maybe prescribing a meal plan and getting them, are you also saying like, Hey, let's take a look at the clutter in your house. Are they, is that where you're going with it? Yes. 100%. And, and frankly, um, so it's really out of scope for me to say, eat this way or eat that way. And, but instead I can help somebody become the expert of their own body and the symptoms that they're feeling and, and what foods fill them with energy and what fill, foods fill them with shame and frustration because it's those foods that are yummy in the moment, but then if they fill us with, with the, the heavy negative feelings, those are the ones like to, to release. Those are the clutter, the ones full of clutter. But yeah, we, we, um, I like to focus on three different areas, really. So it's clutter in the mind, clutter in the body, and then clutter in the home. And mm. clutter in the mind, these are the thoughts that life should be any other way than it is. And that these are the thoughts like, oh, you know, I was supposed to be here. I was supposed to be there. Like, so for example, a lot of us thought we were going to do a lot of traveling during, during the pandemic before, <laughs> before the pandemic happened. Right. And I was supposed to be in Italy or I was supposed to be, but we never were going to be there because the pandemic was going to happen. That was never going to happen. So holding on to those thoughts that life should be different, aren't going to suit us. And so we address a lot of the mental clutter or for example, another, you know, a lot of mental clutter that leads to emotional clutter. So when we take on a new food protocol or do some new experimenting, which I absolutely love to, to partner with on my clients, we will have thoughts immediately for why, why the experiment won't work or why, like say you want to lose six pounds. Okay. And, and so we, we say, okay, I'm going to lose the six pounds. And then immediately the thoughts might be, well, it'll be too hard or somebody has a, a birthday, or we'll be traveling. I mean, I'll be too lazy. There are so many thoughts. So I like to address those thoughts with my clients. And uh, we do a little true or false game. And our, you know, it's part of my biology to, to look out for danger and to not change. And so we really look at those initial thoughts that are getting in between us and the success we want to have. And we see how false they are. And then we find new truths of, you know what? I'm not really a lazy person or you know what? It won't be hard because I like to cook or I like to eat apples or I like healthy food. And so, so yeah, so with my clients, we look at the mental clutter, the emotional clutter. So those heavy feelings, all feelings are valid, but if we get stuck in the feeling, then that, 
that becomes clutter. And then the home clutter. So of course, yes, have a clean office or make your bedroom a sanctuary. Uh, and then look at the kitchen and what are the the ingredients that you have and are they, can you pronounce them? Are they full of chemicals? Or are they the foods that you have? Or are they full of, of, of other things? And so we just, we just clean up house inside and outside. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I can definitely see the correlation between um, all of those things, you know, when we're stuck in our thoughts or we're stuck in our feelings or we're literally physically stuck in a lot of clutter, it does prevent us from really taking the next steps needed to go in the direction that we really want and desire to go in. This is so good. This is so good. I love all of this. April, I just briefly, I'll say I can speak from this from personal experience because I spent a lot of time trying to buffer from my heavy emotions by eating different foods or by shopping. I did a lot, a lot, a lot of shopping. And of course I had that dopamine hit in the moment, but then afterwards the issue was still there that I hadn't addressed. And, and so it's like, wow, like we can amass so much stuff uh, all because we're just trying to distract ourselves from, from human natural feelings. And if we just face them and lean into them, those heavy feelings will dissipate and we can move on. And so that's, yeah, I just wanted to add that I speak, I speak about this just because I've experienced it so much myself. Yeah, without question. And I, you know, there was a, when we, even when we moved, we moved, uh, we made a cross country move about four years ago from South Carolina back home, original home to Texas, which was a major, major, major move, you know, with two kids and a dog and all the things that we had amassed over 12 years of living in this house. And so we went through a real time of purging, right? Because number one, it's, I didn't want to move all that crap. <laughs> Like some of this has to go because I'm not paying to move it. Um, and it's just a lot of work and a lot of logistics. So we really started purging and we probably spent about six months on this mission of purging. We started early because we knew we were going to be moving. We knew we needed to put the house on the market and all of those things. So we really started going through. And I have to tell you, it's eye opening when you really are intentional about begin. And of course, I'm talking about physical stuff right now, but of course this applies to all areas. But during that time of really going through all of our physical things that we had in the house, including the kids' toys and things that were just, you know, left over from different seasons of life that were no longer relevant, looking at it from that lens of, you know, the Marie Kondo way of like, does this spark joy, you know? And I could easily say that just so much of that just didn't spark joy. The one area we, we did, we, we drilled down, we sold furniture, we sold a, a lot of stuff before we, um, before we moved and we moved into a smaller house. So it wasn't, we didn't have that need to just go fill it back up again, you know, which was great. The one area that I did not declutter was my book collection. Like I have a ton of books because I'm a, I'm a fan of words in case anybody did not know that, right? Like that's the work that I do. I'm a fan of words and I've, I've, I've just got an, an, a pretty incredible library. And I did not depart. And of course my husband was begging me because we moved probably 25 boxes of books, you know, <laughs> onto that moving van, uh, if not more. And they're actually still in our garage because there's no room for them in this house because we did move to a smaller house and I don't really have like a library section. 
But no, I am not getting rid of those because it's not clutter that's in my way. It's not. It, it, those, those things spark such joy in me. I think about the different stories that are in those books and the different impact that those different books made on, you know, had on me when I read them. And, you know, many of them are books that I, that I've read and you would think, well, get rid of them. You've already read them, but it's like, no, it, it, those are the things that actually are not creating emotional baggage. If anything, they're creating emotional joy. You know, I'm surrounded by that. So it's just kind of, you know, that's okay, I guess, that I hung on to that because it's not really defined as clutter, right? 100%. Yes, yes. yes. I love books too. And that's the thing. That's like that original definition of minimalism. That's so stark and you have to get rid of everything. That that didn't work for me because it's, it's all about... You know what? Getting rid of the distractions that get between that get between you and the books, right? So that yeah. you can embrace those books and you can love those books. And I hear you. I I love my books too, and I I'm keeping them. I highlight in the books. I underline, dog ear the pages. I yeah. I I hear you. That's that's. I would never say if you love it, it's not clutter. So is there something else with, with you then, like when you began putting all this work together, like, you know, the making the connection between the health and the body and the mind and this concept around minimalism, was there something in your own life that you realized you were hanging on to that was no longer serving you that had been a big habit for a long time? Was there anything, anything juicy you can share in your own experience? Yes. This idea of FOMO. I mean, really this, like I had so much FOMO, I guess a nice way to put it is I had intense curiosity, (laughs) (laughs) but it wasn't serving me and it created Mm -hmm. lots of heaviness. And so I decided, and what helped me so much, April, is that, well, I had a lot of FOMO when I wasn't feeling at peace with my corporate world, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, growing up and then into corporate, I just... I I had so much FOMO because I had time to compare my life to others. And there's that great quote that Mm -hmm. comparison is a thief of all joy. And uh, once I left, left the corporate world and and for others, corporate can be amazing. Just for me, it was, it was clutter. And, uh, but once I left that and threw myself into my passion and my purpose, I, I released all that FOMO. I really Mm -hmm. did. I, it's, it's one of those, um, as an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's, you have to be very intentional with your time. And so I was no longer um, doing as much socializing as I had before because I had this dream. I had this vision and I wanted to throw myself into that. And so FOMO for me, FOMO just disappeared. And, and it was, it was in all aspects of life. And so not only the FOMO of making sure I was always involved or always engaged with others or had a, a, ca- a calendar that was just overflowing, that disappeared. But also when I changed my diet, so so many people will think like, oh my gosh, don't you miss eating these types of things? So for me, I was okay with me. I, I'm very intentional about the types and, and uh, amount of meat I eat. But for me, it was it was grains, it was gluten, mm-hmm. tomatoes, nightshades. Those were the things that were mm-hmm. really hard for me to tolerate. And at first, I thought, "Oh, how am I going to do this? I'm going to miss out on so much." And then something beautiful happened. 
And really my FOMO over just a matter of months flipped to something called JOMO. So it's the joy of missing out. So for me, that joy was, oh, I like the number on the scale. Oh, I like waking up with energy. Oh, I like that I don't have to use my crutches because I don't have any flares right now or my slings or my, I mean, all the, oh, there's just so many contraptions you get when you have rheumatoid arthritis, (laughs) right? Right. And I haven't used those in years. And so do I miss eating a bagel full of gluten? No, I don't. I like for me, I have no FOMO. Um, I, you could put a million right in front of me. And this was like my favorite food. And before I could never stop at one. I would have three bagels in a row, three bagels, big bagels. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that just shows like, wow, I, I had trouble stopping. So that bagel, the information that was in it for me, it really made it, you know, an addictive substance. And I didn't like who I was or how I was showing up and, and then I'd blow and swell up. And so for me, when that FOMO flipped to Jomo, that was really, really magical. And I will tell you today, I eat bagels. They're just different. So I, <laughs> I use a blend that's grain free and they're yummy and they're actually more delicious than the ones that I remember. And so that FOMO, really releasing that has been so powerful for me and so transformative. And, and it also has really put my, my, um, just my focus where I want it to be. So before with the FOMO, I was focused on others outside of my family. And now without it, I am focused on myself, my health, my husband, my kids. Like this is what matters most to me. And um, it's, it really kind of straightened me, it straightened me out because I was just really distracted on, on the most important things in life, I think. So, so good. I love going from FOMO to JOMO. (laughs) That's so good, Heather. I love that. And you're right. You know, like when you're feeling better and you have more energy and you like how you look in the mirror and your clothes fit well, and you know, you're surrounding yourself with people that bring you joy and happiness and all of that. What is there to miss? You know, what is there to miss? Exactly. Exactly. It really puts your focus in the areas that matter most. So then you have time to read the books. You have time to do the mm-hmm. things that that really are important to you. And so for me, I knew back in my corporate life, I was on a plane all the time. And with two young kids at the time, I'm like, hmm, I actually want to go pick them up from school instead of the nanny. Or I want to like be home with them. And and I'm just, I feel very fortunate and blessed because I am able to, I, I've created the, the dream, the dream job for me. And so I'm able to help others. And I'm also able to spend more time with the family. And at the end of the day, like that's, that's what it is for me, really. I love it. Well, tell everybody what's like, where do you love to hang out? Like what's your favorite, you know, social media channel and where can they reach you? And of course, we'll link all of this up in the show notes and share this with our audience as well. Thank you. Thank you. So I have a free group on Facebook and it's called um, Live Like Community. And it's all about releasing the clutter, the mental, the emotional, the physical clutter in life so that we can show up light and happy. And as Marie Kondo would say, full of joy. Oh, by the way, her question is, does this bring you joy? My question is, does it make you feel light? 
If it makes you feel light, then it's right. If it makes you feel light, then it's right. Oh, I love that. That's so good. It's so simple though, right? It doesn't have to be complicated at all. So yeah, so I've got the free group. It's the Live Light community. Um, I I like to go live in there and uh, I find inspiration from others, other minimalists and, and simplicity experts and share it there as well. Um, so that's the best place to go. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram and I've got a Facebook page too, but really the group is the best place, the Live Light community. Okay. We, we will link up that specific community um, and the show notes so you guys can all reach out and connect with Heather. If if this this topic today interests you and you would love some support in this arena, she's your girl. She's your girl. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love this conversation. I love so many fun connections that we have. Um, and, I, you know, of course, I love living light. I, I love that. Love every bit of that. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, too. And your message is just so powerful and important. So I really, really appreciate you and, and this space you've created today. Well, it's my pleasure. And we're so glad that we could bring this inside story out to this audience. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for always um, supporting this podcast. I love you guys so much. And of course, you know, I'll be back here with another episode of the inside story next week. So we'll see you then. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.